Oh, I've survived all the Hawkeye jokes so far anyway. Um, I'm trying to survive these health issues that I got going on, so you have to bear with me yet again another Sunday. Medication now, so hopefully we'll get it covered. So I'm going to try to survive two sermons again today. Um, If you want to turn to the prophet Haggai, I should have got a page number again. If somebody wants to get a page number, oh yeah, Children's Church can go ahead and be dismissed. I think I heard one of them say, I want to hear about this guy, Haggai. Haggai's kind of a little known prophet, but I think it's kind of an interesting message that we'll take from it today. Uh, and, And a little bit of a selfish note on my part, boy, this one really just speaks to me today and it it's right where I'm at situation in my life so um hey minister preaches a sermon every Sunday from time to time he can throw one in there for himself can he can he thanks oh oh knows the deal (laughs) before I get to him though I do want to read um from Habakkuk this is chapter 3 verse 2 it says this Lord I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, O Lord. But then he says this, renew them in our day. And in our time, make them known. And then he says this, in your wrath, remember mercy. The situation with Habakkuk was Babylon and the Assyrians were coming to conquer the land. And Habakkuk is just saying here, I know, God, we're, we've blown it with you so much, but wait a second now. You're bringing people who don't even know you to come and quote-unquote punish, and, and your, your wrath is people who don't even know you being poured out on people who are your people. Ah, that doesn't make any sense, God. So he is just saying, I, you know, I've heard of the deeds of old, God, Your fame, you know, we go through the scriptures and the parting of the Red Sea. We've heard all those things. We know you're capable of those things. His prayer is, we want to see him today. We want to see him again. We want all of our people to go through this experience of knowing you and actually seeing you in all of your vividness and all of your power so that we can have that experience. So... I know we've blown it, but in your wrath, show us your mercy and do a great thing. And then everybody will change their mind about you and we'll get right and get straight. So I know he was a long time ago and you haven't really read his book all that much, probably. But what he's saying here isn't unlike what you and I kind of want down in our heart all the time. God, I want you to do what what I hear you doing over there or what I've read in the scriptures or what the pastors talked about. I want you to do those things in my life. I want you to renew them in our time, make them known. I want to have an experience with you. I got kids, God, that I want you to see. I want them to see you work in me so they can see it and know and understand. I I want to be influential. I want to find my purpose. I want life fulfillment. I want to know. I want to win this game. I, I want, I want, I want, I want, right? So his heart's cry here, I don't think, is too distant from what your and my heart cries as well. Show us yourself, God. Show us the power. We want to see it. 
So we go to Haggai. We're actually going to see it. We're actually going to see this process happen. And I wish there was more details that the prophet wrote, but I think he kind of knew nobody would read his book anyway, so he just threw the main stuff in there. In case anybody wanted to go back there and really search, they could find what they're looking for. Um, but I wish that he would have, you know, give us more details as to how it all happened, but we'll kind of fill some of those things in as we go. I'm going to start in chapter 1, verse 1, but I'm going to read verse 4 first because it, 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 it speaks to me. It says, is it time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house, talking about God's temple, remains a ruin? So they've just come back from the 70 years captivity here. You know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel were all up in Babylon, and they've come back from that. And you can read Ezra 4, 5, and 6 talks about them coming back and built, starting the temple and Hezekiah talks about them building the wall around Jerusalem. So everybody's coming back from the captivity and there's some good things are happening. They're restarting their way of life and their nation and they're, they're getting it breathing again. But then all of a sudden they take a break from the building of the temple. Why? You sit here and live in paneled houses, but my house remains in ruins. You remember David saying, look at me, I live in a palace of cedar and the the ark of God is in a tent. Something's not right here. David was able to sense that. But for some reason here, the people aren't sensing that. So this speaks to me in the following. I am trying to build a house of God in my school. And I'm also trying to build my own personal house in that school. So when I read this right here, it's like speaks to me a little bit. I got to get this thing right. Now I know as I weigh it out in my heart, how much effort have I given to each? And it's a little bit convicting. On the importance scale, which one is the higher? Because if my house is the higher one, then I'm just like these people right here. I don't want to be like that. So this is kind of really apropos to me. It's been 70 years. They've come back, built the wall, built their houses, started and laid the foundation for the temple but then it stopped. Here's why it stopped. Some of the older folks that had seen the old temple saw the foundation that was laid and they were depressed because it wasn't as big and it wasn't going to be as grand. Now the new folks who'd never saw the old temple, excited, excited about it. All right, this is what God wants us to do. Let's get going. Now it's kind of funny because because the people complaining and the people that were excited, it's, it's an odd story in how there was so much noise and so much talking going on that nobody could tell the people who were being negative and the people who were being positive. But the negatives sort of outweighed or, or won out the day eventually, and it caused everybody's hands to stop the work. Oh, this isn't no good. And you can imagine all of the things that they were saying. It's not the right time. Our enemies are too numerous. We're still just a fledgling nation. It's just not, it's not the right time. On and on and on. And so the work just stops. How long did it stop? 20 years, the foundation of the temple laid there. They just quit. Could that have been God's will? Start the foundation and quit? <laughs> and Jesus told a parable about a fellow who 
began to add on to his house, but then he ran out of time and money. He couldn't, <laughs> couldn't finish it. And he said, the people are going to walk by and ridicule this fella. He began to work and he couldn't finish it. God wouldn't want them to start it and finish it. Well, so you can hear all the yeah buts. Well, we didn't, we didn't know what was coming. We didn't know this would happen or that would happen. Okay, I know it was a long time ago, a far off place, and you and I aren't really probably building a temple. So does this relate? I'm going to try to hopefully show you that it does. Let's go back to verse 1. In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Haggai, to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah. So Zerubbabel's the guy in charge. And also the word came to Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not yet come for the Lord's house to be built. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? All right. I can tell that you all know what's going on here. Zerubbabel, who's a great dude, he's the one that begins to start this. But it comes from Haggai coming in and preaching. God is wanting to illustrate to the people, it couldn't have been my will for you to let that foundation sit there. I don't start things and stop them. And it couldn't have been my will for you to live in these nice houses, but my house? You remember a day when the church was the prominent building in the town. You'd have heard all those stories. You've watched Laura Ingalls Wilder, haven't you? <laughs> How can this be with you and your nice houses, but mine is still a ruin and you quit on it? But over 20 years, perceptions begin to get ingrained and personalities begin to become colored and we've forgotten the life-giving spirit of God I know that I caught you in some of that, myself as well. Over the years, we just come to church because we always have, right? And we lose track of the great experiences and power that God is capable of. Ugh. And then secularism begins to come in and override the church rather than the church having a loving and graceful influence on the secularism for the good of our country. Uh, you know, I'm not saying anything that you guys know. It's happened here as well. The people of God have forgotten the power of God. And God just lets them have all the consequences of that. So he tries to illustrate, you live in nice houses, but not me. It's just a really cognitive, reasonable thing to say, isn't it? So there again, Ben, you live in a nice house. What about God's house? So this one speaks to me. We also get a date here. Six month, second year of Darius. The word of the Lord came. That's August 29th, 520 BC. That's going to serve us here in a second, that date. August 29th, 520 BC. It was August 29th that I began to move all of my stuff out of the room that we were going to put our church into. So that's kind of neat for me. 
I'm in this story, and I hope that you can by the end of the day as well. We say this thing that when God wants to do something, he can do it without us. God's capable of anything, but I don't really think that that's the right way to look at things. God wants to do stuff through us. And I think he withholds and doesn't do stuff until the people are ready. Now, sometimes he interjects his grace like he did here with Haggai. He certainly has his timing, but the people have to be ready. And the people have to not make any more excuses. They were saying it's not the right time yet. Proverbs 26, 13 says, the sluggard says there's a lion in the road. There's a fierce lion roaming in the streets. That's what the sluggard says. So he's afraid of a lion out there. So he doesn't go out there and doesn't get anything done. He doesn't plant his fields. He doesn't go anywhere. He doesn't trade. He doesn't do anything. Oh, there's a lion out there, right? A fierce lion out there that prevents me from doing all that I need to do. It's a pretext for laziness. And I want to present this idea to you today, softly and humbly, that the reason we don't do some of the things or that God's power doesn't flow well enough is in part on our laziness. Now, that's a, t- that's a tough word. I know all of you work really hard, right? <clears throat> but we got this thing that gets into our life called spiritual laziness. I can remember my grandpa, all right? My grandpa was born, raised, grew up in what you know as the depression, right? If you grew up in that time, your personality became colored in that you were a saver because you never know what's going to happen, right? You're a saver. You're very conservative in everything that you have. You make everything last as long as you can. You save each penny. I can remember him saying, you save a few pennies, pretty soon you got a dollar. (laughs) Well, that's true, but... Really? That's grandpa from the depression. That sort of safety breeds spiritual laziness. Because spirituality and having faith in God's tough. And it takes muscle. If you see a fierce lion out there and you're not tough, you won't go out there. And so it begins to breed a spiritual laziness. I've had that a terrible condition and there's no medication from it except for an experience with God so I'm in this story and I've got a good wife that's pretty good at kind of you know just doing this kick me in the butt because I can think of all kinds of things about the school that's not the right time ah we can't do that until we do this and uh, here, here is the one just to make this just to make this real and bring it back from 2,500 years ago and the other side of the world. You got to have bathrooms in a church, don't you? Well, that's not my problem. I got six bathrooms within 30 feet of the room that we have church in. No problems whatsoever. My problem is, or our problem is, we don't have heat. So we can fix up a bathroom, which Ed and the ladies have done so wonderfully Got four of them working. That's plenty. Got them all working. Got them all nice. And while the temperatures are nice, this is great. But in three months, I don't have any heat. What happens? 
Ah, that's a fierce lion out there, isn't it? And it was a fierce lion to me. Because I do have another bathroom on the other side of the compound that the high schoolers use. Last year, it froze up twice. You ever seen a toilet bowl froze water? Full of water, frozen water? It's one big ice cube. That's not a very good thing to think about, is it? Uh, so, you've got to put heaters in the bathrooms, right? Well, that costs money. It's a fierce lion, isn't it? It's just a fierce lion. Not the right time. Not the right time. I don't have heat. That's reasonable, isn't it? So is it a fierce lion or am I spiritually lazy? I know the women's bathroom is the most important room in the church. I've went through a church building program before. I know that one. I would never argue that one. But I would argue I don't have heat. I for a long time thought that was a pretty good argument. But is it an argument or is it a fierce lion? What happened to these people? It's not the right time yet. Personalities become colored. And I just don't know why. They saw the wall go up. They saw Cyrus make the decree for the people to return back to, the, to that promised land. They, could have saw, they, they had, couldn't miss God working in all of those things. How do we get off track? Naysayers? It's not the right time. Putting God's work as the priority is where we got to be. It's filled with joyous giving. It's filled with strong and strengthening faith in the power of God and what he's capable of. And so Habakkuk and the people of Israel here just need what we sang. Do it again. You know, the night's lasting a long time, God. We've got a lot of things against us. I would have thought, God, you'd have brought these stronghold walls down now. But I'm going to keep my hope in you. I'm going to ask you to do it again. Renew in our time the great powerful deeds that we've heard of. Bring our people through the experience. Let our kids see your power so that their upbringing could be colored through the rest of their life by an experience with you. Now, that's great things, isn't it? All right, verse 5, God again continues to try to reason. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. If it looks like a fierce lion, wait a second. I'm pretty fierce up here too, and I'm the one that created that lion. Give careful thought to your ways. You, look, at, look at what's happened. You've planted much, but you've harvested little. You eat, <clears throat> but you never have enough, it seems. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. You earn wages, but you only put the money in a purse that has holes in it. The point is, God's trying to get across. God's work always comes before my work. That's a pretty hard thing. How often do we see people donating to the church, but what's donated is the leftovers that we don't use anymore? Ah, now we can let you off the hook a little bit because high schoolers like that sort of thing. <laughs> it fits there. But wow. If we could get a group of people that could renew their faith in God and his capabilities, 
That's what we're hoping for these people here, and that's what we're hoping for us as well. I think it's kind of fun that for me down there, I've got people coming into that school and working on stuff when I'm not even there. That's pretty cool. I got help. I got people with like-mindedness willing to put in the work and the sacrifice, uh, long hours. Uh, Dad came over, people coming by, doing work. It's great. A group of people headed in a direction with faith, planning to accomplish something. It's a fun thing. Our beginnings are small, but it's a fun thing. And it's kind of convicting to think that I might have been the one that said, I, I just don't know if, it's the, if the time is right. Man, if I don't have it right, who's going to have it right? Thank God for all those people. How easy it is to forget. And these people had seen great things. Some of these people had seen the past temple. Forgot, forgot, forgot about God's capability. So, you read this sort of scripture right here, and you want this scripture to be a confirmation rather than a condemnation. And so when I read it, and it fits me perfectly, ah, it's like a juggling act as to whether this is a confirmation or a condemnation. Do I get conviction out of this or confirmation? I don't know. It's pretty tough. I do live in a paneled house, and yet so full of trepidation, when it comes to building God's house in the same building. I don't have heat in my house either right now. That's a scary thing. But I continue to build my house. There it is right there. So you see how real this is? What are the fierce lions in your life that you've given up on? That you've forgotten God's the one that made the lion? So you see, since they neglected God's work, they invoked God's rejection on their work. Is that because God's vindictive? No. It's because God wants to speak to us through his word, but when we don't listen to his word, allow ourselves to be transformed by it, that's when then the events come, the no heat and the fierce lions and the shortages and having to borrow rather than lend. Verse 4 in Zechariah chapter 1. Don't be like your forefathers to whom the earlier prophets proclaimed. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Turn from your evil ways and your evil practices. But they would not listen or pay attention to me, declares the Lord. So it goes with hearing and receptions of God's word on Sunday. So goes the events of the week. Now, the promises were all there. God had written it down. Listen to Deuteronomy. You'll sow much in the field, but you will harvest little because locusts will devour it. You will plant vineyards and cultivate them, but you will not drink the wine or gather the grapes because worms will eat them. You'll have olive trees throughout the country, but you will not use the oil because the olives will drop off. You'll have sons and daughters, but you'll not keep them because they will go into captivity. Swarms of locusts will take over all your trees and crops of your land. The alien who lives among you will rise above you higher and higher, but you will sink lower and lower. He will lend to you, but you will not lend to him. He will be the head, but you will be the tail. That was the chapter on the curses. Just follow me and listen to me, and I'll cover everything, God says. So we're back in Haggai now, verse 7. 
This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build the house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with his own house. Oh, man, there it is again. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, the oil, and whatever the ground produces, on men and cattle, and on, on the labor of your hands. So what is the purpose of our obedience? So that God could be honored. That's the driving force. If you and I have set as priority to honor God, then we're going to be fine. We'll be more than fine. If our lives are lived to honor him, we'll be fine. What's the cost of disobedience? Short shortages, worry, anxiety, materials, Verse 12, then Zerubbabel said to Shealtiel, Joshua, son of Jehodak, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people, they obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai because the Lord their God had sent him and the people feared the Lord. The people got their reverence for God back there. And this is the part where I wish there was more details. How was there such a personality switch? How was negative momentum reversed, stabilized, and then started moving forward? Boy, that's a real trick, isn't it? I don't know if I know how to do that that well. That's a hard thing. I wish there was more details as to it, but it sure is fantastic. The, the people recognized that Haggai had come with a message, willing to listen, and followed through with their actions. Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. It's all in our approach to him, and our approach to him hinges on how much our heart is devoted to him. All right, verse 13, Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you. This is God's grace. This is a little short on grace, this sermon is. There it is right there. I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit. That's what we need to happen right there. Every one of us needs a spirit stirred up. Because you and I have let it sit in the soup for 20 years and have forgotten of God's capability. We need God to stir it up, but it starts with you and I taking the first steps. He stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor, and the spirit of Joshua, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. They came, they began the work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month in the second year of King Darius. Grace in the face of a bunch of folks who had neglected the word of God, but returned to the Lord. And God said, hey, I'm with you. And now they had turned to the Lord. Once again, we get a date. This is September 22nd. Remember the word of the Lord? First came August 29th. So we're almost a month. I guess I should have counted up the days. Less than three weeks 
and they were beginning. Something happened to reverse 20 years within three weeks and create a positive momentum. Oh, that's a great story. It's kind of hard to lift it off, off the pages of the Bible there like that, but I'm living right in it. How do you reverse the momentum? And how do we get a people to understand that God is there and it's his will not to just let the foundations lay, but to complete the work? I'm sure they were also sorrowful that they didn't so readily recognize in their hearts that God was there. That's my issue. Okay, four pointers and I'll let you go. Number one, we got to stop making excuses. They said it's not the right time. That's such a prevalent thing. Such a prevalent thing. The church is notorious for this is always the way we've done it. No more excuses. And the church is notorious for saying, we gotta, we gotta, let's this, let's that. We want, we have good intentions, but we see fierce lions out there. And we don't finish or even start. Stop making excuses. I've made them. Number two, we need to ask God to renew that right spirit in us. God, stir it up. Start with me. I've been catching and noticing the monotony in my life. Do it again. I want to see the power. I want to see neat acts. I want to see your deeds. Renew me in my spirit. Stir it up. Get me ready for this. I've gotten off track. It comes with taking an inventory and saying, God, I don't want to lean on my understanding anymore. I want to just follow you in all my ways and let you be the guide and the empowerer. Number three, no going to God with the leftovers anymore. In our giving, in our time and everything, let's reprioritize God. Put him in the center of the city again. Number four, turn to God in full repentance if we have not honored him in this way thus far. Full repentance. Again, it's a little sharp word, but repentance just means to change your mind. And if we're asking God to stir up our spirit and give us new perceptions about things, if we're asking God to make us rise up in our spirit and say, I can defeat that lion, then we got to get it right. Let's get this thing started right. God comes down. He says, I'm with you. Let's start this off right. Let's change our mind. We're going to help. So this is Ezra chapter 6 kind of gives us a synopsis of what happened. So the elders of the Jews continued to build and prosper under the preaching of Haggai the prophet and Zechariah a prophet. They finished building the temple according to the command of God of Israel and the decrees of Cyrus, Darius, and Artaxerxes, kings of Persia. The temple was completed on the third day of the month of Adar in the sixth year of the reign of King Darius. All right. That's four good years it took them to build that temple. But they were four great years of a great experience with God that their kids got to see and that they got to experience themselves. Four years it took them to build. 20 years, they forgot how to build. That's a good reversal. That's spirits that are stirred up. Only to be forgotten again. Of course, this is the way it always goes, isn't it? 
This is why God says, teach your kids. Tell them about everything you saw, what you went through. And you live it out yourselves. I talked about the economy last week. I'm not going to bring it up again because I got all those bad letters from y'all. No, I didn't. Not really. You know, friends, right now the economy is humming. And you can tell this by all the business leaders of our country. Hiring people, creating jobs, adding on, building new factories, improvements. They recognize that the economy is flush right now. God has completely removed economy from our list of excuses. And if the business leaders of America can see that, why not the church? And why not Ben? (laughs) I hope we've brought this story kind of to the, the forefront and made it current. And I hope this story can be one that you and I just kind of, oh, wow, it would have been nice to live during that time, to see who led it, to see who followed, see how hearts were changed. I wonder what the people who were naysayers, I wonder what they eventually said. I wonder how many told you so's there were. I wonder if we could get a great thing like that going. A group of people in one accord, empowered, spirits stirred up, fully recognizing the power of God, having not forgotten. It's a great story, isn't it? It's not only a great story, folks, but it is our commission from God. It's what we got to do. If the business leaders of America are ahead of us, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. They're the ones going to hold sway, not the church. And it's this message that we got to get out there and be influential with. So I'm just going to give you all that, and you can chew on it as well as you go home and sit in your paneled houses. (laughs) God in heaven, we need your forgiveness for the many, many times that we forget what you're capable of. Thank you for this story and the message that comes through it. We are also grateful for your son whose spirit was always stirred, always willing to give, always willing to do what was needed. God, he came and he turned the world upside down and he turned lives upside down and made them better and positive. Have we forgotten your son, his power, the power of your spirit? God, forgive us. God, give us this week a new perception of the lions in our life. Also, help us to come to you with a reverence, a reverence and a desire to avoid the negative consequences of monotony, but also just a hunger to feel the good consequences of the productivity and fruit of your spirit. God, most of all, we're just thankful that you are there. Just like the story said, I am with you. You are there with us every day. We are there. We are capable of turning things around, repenting, starting over. Your mercies are fresh every day. I pray this is the day that we can do it. Pray that we can come alive from this story. And we're grateful for your word. Let us be more avid listeners of it. In your name we pray. Amen.
All right, guys, that's it. You are dismissed. Thank you for coming.